Hello, and welcome back to the Ebb and Flow podcast. Over the next six weeks, I'll be sharing videos on the topics of holistic health and Hasidic wisdom that I've been doing with the renowned author, counselor, lecturer, and philosopher, Rabbi Manis Friedman. A year ago, Rabbi Manis Friedman was a guest on my podcast, episode number 53, where we discussed his first book published back in 1990, Doesn't Anybody Blush Anymore? The episode is entitled, Modesty, Intimacy, Sex, and Getting Things Out of the Way. Shortly after, I had the joy to meet him for dinner, where we first thought about the series, so it excites me to begin to finally share these with you in hope that you receive valuable and personable insights on your own health and wellness journey. Here's also a gentle reminder that if you're new to this show, or if you haven't seen it yet, a great place to start is the recent YouTube video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who's it for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and my coaching services. Please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon8 and Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings and be sure to let us know all about it via message or social media. Rabbi, it's it's a pleasure to reconnect once again. Uh, we had had such a great time meeting with you in, in person, eating a wonderful barbecue in New York. Thanks again for, for taking the time to, to be with me. It was really nice, but it wasn't my barbecue. We went to Izzy's. I don't want to mislead anybody. Maybe next time. When we were talking a little bit then, we had this idea to really um, bring out and share some more information, some more podcasts on health and how do we define health so that you, me, and everybody listening, we can really cultivate and generate a harmony with our physical health, our mental health, and our spiritual health. I'd love to, to just to kind of break dice to get started to talk a little bit about that. How, how have you defined health for yourself and wanting to continue to be healthier, so to speak, in your connection with Hashem and how that also flows with your physical health, your mental health, and how you perceive the world and things around you and situations and challenges. And then also how that is interconnected with your connection with with prayer, with Judaism, and the whole gamut. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, it's a loaded, it's a loaded. Uh, you don't play around. <laughs> well, my name is Shlomo Ezra, so that's why I've been told I got to uh, live up to my name. The whole thing. <laughs> the whole package. Very good. So where do we start? Let, let's Let's start with a little bit of a of a precautionary note, and that is don't get too serious about your health. Of course, you should be healthy. We should all be healthy, but making health your focus is not healthy. <laughs> you know, just like making happiness your focus is almost guaranteed to make you unhappy. So people who become obsessive about their health undermine their health. No, true. Yeah. Uh, you see these people jogging so seriously. Don't they ever smile? <laughs> Do they ever have fun at all? You know. So health is a necessary condition. It's not life. You got to be healthy to live life. But healthy is not life. Don't make a religion out of it. Or don't get too religious about it. Yeah. <clears throat> but find a way to be healthy for sure, for sure. And to not be responsible for your health is is not kosher. So how would you in a empowering way, 
uh, articulate or express the right way to approach one's health. You're saying not not getting to not obsessing over it, but creating that right balance for the individual, which is going to be unique per individual. A simple question. What for? What for? You want to be healthy and you want to live a long life. What for? Um, you want to add, you know, by, by eating right and by exercising properly and so on, you can add three years to your life, five years. For what? For what? That's got to be your guiding principle. Uh, what is your motivation? Got to be healthy. Why? For what? If you don't have an answer to that question, then health becomes a dead end in itself. Health for the sake of health. It doesn't go anywhere. So you want to be healthy because you have a life to live. What is that life? What is valid about this life you must live? And, and what makes it deserving of so much attention and commitment and, and, and uh, denial? You're not going to eat what you want to eat. You won't, you know, you won't uh, become a couch potato. You're going to give up a lot of stuff for what? For what? You got to know. Life has to have a compelling an attractive reason, but health for the sake of health, which really touches on a something even much, much deeper, life for the sake of life, doesn't work. It's a dead end. How so? I'm going to live so that I don't die. So that's, that's... I, I'm going to live so that I can live. Something's wrong with that in the head. The brain does not get excited about that. And if the brain is not excited, we're already in trouble. So before you start to be healthy, ask yourself, what for? For what? You're going to eat healthy so that tomorrow you can eat healthy. So that the next day you can eat healthy. It's like you want to make money. Why? So that you can make more money. It doesn't add up. Pardon, pardon the pun. <laughs> it doesn't add up. <clears throat> you got to use your money for something, mm -hmm. for something important, for something useful, for something valid. Then the work that makes the money is justified. But make money to make money? Where are you going? Where is the progress? Does that include um, looking at one's beliefs, conscious and unconscious, about health. That's normally where I'll, I'll start is asking, you know, what what do you believe about your health? Mm -hmm. Your physical health, your mental health, spiritual health. Yeah, the old attitude, you know, in, in Yiddish is abigizum. You gotta be healthy. You have to have your health. <laughs> Why? For what? For what? it's a serious question it's not uh, it's not a question we can avoid mm -hmm. long term sooner or later you have to answer that question so you might as well start with it in other words you have to be enthusiastic about life 
What's the enthusiasm? If life is valuable, if life is sacred, if life is necessary, then whatever can help you live becomes meaningful. But if life itself is not necessary, so why, why do you want to go out of your way to make it last longer? <laughs> Nobody asked that question in the olden days because just staying alive was a full-time job. Had no, we had no time to stop and think why, because if I stop to think why, I'm dead. So you just kept on moving, you kept on fighting, you kept on growing, you kept, and it, it was impressive. It was like living despite all odds, but we don't have that today. We have the luxury of stopping and thinking and questioning and wondering why. And that's good. If you know why you get up in the morning, you're already healthier. You don't know why you get up in the morning is not so healthy. So in a, putting it a different way, fear should not be what drives us. I mentioned the, the, the joggers. Yeah. You can almost see it on their faces in some of them. Yeah. They're jogging religiously in the, in the rain and in the, in the cold and in the heat. And, in the, and you can almost see it on their faces, the fear of dying. That's what motivates them. They don't want to die. Why? Fear of the unknown? That's not a good reason. It can also be applied to um, individuals when it comes to prayer. Yeah. Or religion in general. Yeah. People become religious because they're afraid of dying. So their whole life is governed by fear. Not happy, not good. There are people whose lives are governed by shame. You must get a job, you must get a good paycheck, you must live in a nice house, and you must drive a nice car because otherwise it's, you're, 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 you'll be so ashamed. So to avoid embarrassment, they live their whole life. Everything they do from morning to night is because they will not be ashamed. Sad. So for some people, the question of why am I alive? What's the purpose of life? I don't need that. I'm not so philosophical. Leave me alone. Give me, give me, give me a good, uh, give me a good, well done steak, and start, you know, spare me the, the philosophy. It's not philosophy. It's life. It's your life we're talking about. If you don't know why you're alive, it's you're not lacking philosophy. <laughs> You're lacking life. So say somebody listens to what we're talking about, or in general, they have a good intellectual understanding of all of this. How can we make it uh, simple and specific to where, where, for one example, I'll often recommend is taking out a journal or writing down what you also talked about at the beginning, what are the beliefs about my health? What's the purpose of my health? What's the vision of where I see my health going and the action, how to put it into practice? Huh. That's a big book you're writing there. It kind of is. Yeah, you can call it the book of life. <laughs> It's actually a, a course that I, I took. It's called the Life Book, ah. and it and it looks at the twelve areas of your life. Mm. You 
answer those questions for yourself. Do you answer them in your book? In my own life book, like when I did the course? Yeah. So when I looked at, for example, the health section, one, I think one was just fitness and nutrition. And I looked at what, what are my beliefs about health? You know, do I believe that I am a athlete, for example, the rest of my life? Do I believe that health is, uh, you know, something that's easy to cultivate? Because also often when I am talking to a potential client or a client, we have common unconscious beliefs that health and being healthy is something that takes a lot of work, something that you have to hit the gym. And when you go to the gym, you have to work out, you know, an hour to two hours. You have to really be super strict with what you're eating, especially when uh, it's a Jewish individual and you have a strict kosher uh, following, uh, following a strict kosher diet. Um, you know, what, what kind of beliefs are, are, are there? Because really, to continue on with this example of health or fitness and nutrition, that belief itself is what's keeping somebody from maybe going to the gym in the first place, because they think, or they have that belief that if I go to the gym, I have to have a program, I have to work out for two hours, etc. So yes, to answer your question, when I did this uh, course, I looked at, you know, what, what beliefs I had about my health, consciously and unconsciously, and some come up every now and then that we're unconscious, uh, that then I can create a vision or purpose like you were talking about, why is, why is my health important to me? You know, well, you can help more people, you can contribute more, you can have a wonderful family life, your, your, my perception about life will be greater, I'll be able to look at situations or challenges in a light, in a lighter and not so serious manner, which I'll be able to bring more laughter. I'll be able to then solve different situations because I'm in a lighter state. I'm in a more internal joyful state. And then from there also be able to cultivate or create or define a, a vision. Well, what does, what does this health look like for me? What does that, what can I imagine? Maybe I'm, I'm climbing a, a top of a hike that I wouldn't have imagined I'd be able to do. Uh, maybe snowboarding or doing something with kids, whatever it may be. So is, is there a, a wrong answer or a bad answer to that question? There's not a bad or a wrong answer, but there could be a limited or an answer that limits somebody, such as, you know, if I have a belief that health requires a lot of hard work it could be very limiting because then you would have to invest a lot of time and effort into doing that it doesn't no it doesn't require a lot of hard work not necessarily hmm. and it depends on like as you were we as we were talking about at the beginning what what does health mean to you why is it important to you and it also is important to to um, take in mind what season, so to speak, you're in. You know, say you're just a new father, you're not. You you might not be training as uh, intensely as you would when you're just a, a single man with a little bit more time. But a person should always be conscious of their health. Young people have to be conscious of their health or they can just take it for granted. In my, in my opinion, always conscious of health. So a teenager should be conscious of exercise and food and lifestyle. Because it seems like no, no, no matter what they do, they're fine. be able to slowly plant seeds and practice early on so mm -hmm. that when they, when they become uh, older, they've already established that, um, I don't oh, want to say routine, but the, that uh, practice. 
but not I, not to say routine because it also wants to be enjoyable because like you were also mentioning with the joggers it became so much or not every jogger but some individuals um it became such a routine that they just have to do it which is limiting so which answer to why do you want to be healthy which answer is the best and which answer is the worst In other words, whose attitude is a good attitude and whose attitude is not so good? Could depend on the individual because uh, one person could have the right answer, but the wrong approach. They could be doing all the right things, but in the wrong ways. Or not to look at, to, to define it in a non-polarity way. One could be doing the way they the right things, but in limiting ways that don't give them the the proper reward or benefit from that, that way of doing it. Is it ever true, and I've heard this from a lot of people, you're telling me to protect my health and to do what is healthy, but then you're not letting me live. It's not worth it. I'd rather live and enjoy and not be healthy. In that situation, I would look at what, how does a person divine health and what do they believe about it? Because it, like you, like you said, it should never take away one's enjoyment. It should only enhance it. So it's never true. What's, what's the best exercise somebody could do? The one that they enjoy. Why do any? I'm having fun. Leave me alone. <laughs> what, I have to find something I enjoy doing? I enjoy doing what I'm doing. <laughs> well, there you go. In other words, is it ever right to, to, to sacrifice your health for the enjoyment of life? Why not? Is it ever right to sacrifice your health for the enjoyment of life. That person says, I would rather die eating a pastrami sandwich than live five more years eating uh, raw vegetables. Yeah, but we, we know also that you can have that pastrami sandwich in a healthier way. So it's not about, health isn't about what you can't have, but what looking at what you can have in a uh, healthier way you can, I don't know, maybe grab a, I mean, first of all, oh yeah, pastrami, you usually pastrami has uh, rye bread or you can get some nice sourdough bread, which is pretty healthy. And depending on the quality of the pastrami that you have and the condiments that you put on there it can pretty, be a pretty dang healthy meal. Okay, now I'm interested. <laughs> if I can have a pastrami sandwich, I'm all ears. <laughs> but also a lot of what I've learned that goes into health is the way that we approach the meal, not necessarily what we're eating, but how we're eating it. So that's where it's, I found really cool in our Jewish tradition is you say a prayer on it. You're adding a little bit of mindfulness before it. What's the state of being in which you are eating the meal? Because even if you are eating the healthiest of meals, so to speak, you know, organic meal, organic this, organic that, but you're eating it in a, in a state of stress, your body's just going to turn that into organic fear and stress protein. Whoa, 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 whoa. Talk about that some more. It'll turn it into what? Meta, like, not really, but... It's important what, what state of being you are eating in. So if I'm eating in a bad mood, what happens? If you're eating in a bad mood, the body won't properly or won't optimally digest the food and take it in as information. My mother used to tell me that. 
Wise woman. By the table. Don't sit by the table with a sour face. <laughs> Shouldn't exactly explain it, but the old folk wisdom. Often our uh, our grandmas and our our matriarchs they just knew they didn't need to explain it with uh, she modern lived, science. Lived to one hundred and one. Wow, that's impressive. These days, <laughs> yeah, very few people are healthy these days. So, <clears throat> let's start with eating. To eat like a mensch which would be a healthy way to eat. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're taught as Siddim, you have to be the master of your eating. Your, your eating cannot be your master. Mm -hmm. Can't be a slave to your food. Like live to eat, don't eat to live. The other way around. Huh? <clears throat> the other way around. What did I? Yeah, eat to eat to live. Don't live to eat. <laughs> right. I think Benjamin Franklin said that, which is funny because he was kind of joking. Anyways, if you're a slave to your food, you're not healthy, and the food is not healthy, and the food does not appreciate being used that way. But if you're the master, you eat when you decide to eat, what you decide to eat, how much you eat, then, then you're eating healthy. To some degree also, what you eat. But if you look at the way people survived during the war, what they ate was not an option. Yeah. They ate what they found. And it wasn't the healthiest foods. And yet, they outlived everybody else. I don't know if it was a painless life, but they lived. So you can, I, I don't know if this is physically true, but you can extract from almost any food. Your body can take what it needs from that food. So it's not a question of do I eat this or do I eat that? Should I be all, you know all carbs and no? All of that is just making people crazy. How does your body get what it needs from the food you eat? Because as you were saying. If you're eating in a bad mood, it doesn't matter what you're eating. You're not getting the benefits. On the other hand, if you're eating properly, you will get the benefits from almost any food you eat. Because your body is doing its job. So here's the first mental condition or attitude that... Uh, leads to health. Don't be a slave to what is beneath you. A human being is on a much higher level than the vegetable or the mineral or the animal. So getting life from things that are below you is already a mystery. Why were we designed this way? We are intellectually greater, but doesn't didn't isn't it discussed in the Tanya that they're actually greater spiritually the lower you go? There's a spark of something in the lower materials that are that is greater than, than the spark in us, and that's why it can strengthen us. But in terms of significance, importance. Of course, the human being is far superior. So why would the human being be dependent on things lesser? Whatever God's reason is, is God's reason. 
But we should not feel enslaved. We should feel empowered to take advantage or to get the benefits out of those foods because we're smart enough to do that. So when you eat mindfully, as you were mentioning, it means you're eating when you decide, you're eating how you decide, you're eating as much as you decide. You're calling the shots, not the food. So the unhealthiest eating is unconscious eating. Because your brain is not processing what you're doing, so your body doesn't process what, process what it's swallowing. Everybody goes unconscious. <laughs> Even your digestive system is unconscious. It does, it, it's not doing its job efficiently because you're on automatic pilot. So you're sitting by the table and you're thinking, no, I'm not going to eat that. And then you look down at what you're not going to eat. And it's gone because you already ate it. Like, what, what happened? I was in the process of deciding whether I should. How did I end up? Oh, because your brain is not in control. You ate it before you realized you were eating. That is not healthy. That's like eating in your sleep. It can kill you. It needs to be, a, it is a problem. It needs to be a, addressed very cautiously, carefully. Because oh, before, somebody want that want to stop that, but like you said, it's it's so it's become a unconscious habit. Yeah. It governs your behavior. It dictates your eating habits. Mm -hmm. So when you sit down to eat, your first question is, what for? Why? Oh, I'm hungry. Yeah, you're hungry. What are you going to do about it? You say, well, I'm going to eat. Eat what? How much? When? Hunger is not the final authority on your life. In fact, one of the healthiest things we can do, truly healthy things, is to go to sleep hungry. It's like, uh, I think, a couple hours before bed, finish eating and drink. So Rambam says, go to sleep hungry. Because hunger is, is, a, is part of the process. Hunger doesn't always mean feed me. Hunger can mean I'm digesting. Give me a break. Does that mean you follow a fasting diet, Rabbi? It wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad at all. What's, what's your own uh, approach with food? Well, I try. Not always successful. Uh, but that, that's actually, that's also what's great to, great to know it because with, even with knowing these healthy approaches, we can also get too religious with them so that when, you know, Shabbat comes around every week and we have the challah, the dessert, it could be a temptation to not want it. But at the same time, it's 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 also very healthy to enjoy those with the proper mindset. A lot of times we will have that cake or that ice cream and then think in our head, well, I know I'm going to feel poorly after this and yada, yada, yada. But that itself is uh, making it worse, so to speak. The healthiest, the healthiest thoughtful way of eating is there are meals. That's when you eat. Other than that, there's no eating. 
Eating is not a round-the-clock activity. There are meal times, and you eat during those meal times. That itself would be so healthy. And even at meal time, don't go out of your way. Whatever the meal consists of, you eat. If it's not there on the table, don't go looking for it in the refrigerator or in the cabinets or in the, if it's not there, don't don't go out of your way to find food. Eat what's there, what isn't there, none of your business. Well, that that, that brings up a lot of questions in my uh, head, and when it can, then applying that with also uh, kosher foods. There should never be anything non-kosher in front of you. <laughs> All the food in your life should be kosher. And then it's just a question of you want a little more of this or a little more of that. If this is on the table, then eat this. If that's on the table, then eat that. But if you have this on the table and you go looking for that, putting too much into your eating. So maybe it's a form of laziness, but if you have to get up and find the food, don't, don't bother. It's not that important. So being picky with food, one of the things that a child must be trained in at a young age is to not be particular with their food. So it's a terrible trap. No, I can't eat that. I don't like that. I'm, uh, you know, the ketchup is touching the thing. I can't eat that. You're speaking don't, of the, the child I was, you realize. Don't, create, don't train children to be particular about their food. We actually do that. Oh, you want some of this? Just feed them. If they don't eat it, they won't eat it. Don't don't turn don't give children menus to choose from. You're making food way too important, too much of an issue. But it is really important. No. How you eat is important, right? It's it's a it's more important, but it's it doesn't mean that what you eat isn't important. The power of food is, is quite amazing. Because it is information and in how the body takes it. Be because there are foods that even if you do, it might contradict with what I, a little bit with what I was saying earlier, because based on like if you're eating it out of fear. But there are still foods that, you know, if you're eating it, you know, it may, you know, with regardless of the state, it'll be better for you, you know, um, and how it's uh, more anti-inflammatory based on its compounds and, and what else. But that's not a child's choice. That's, that's the parent's choice. So asking a child, do you want this? Do you want that? Don't, don't turn it into, in, into more of a... So don't give the child the choice, but make sure that the, the, father, the father or the mother, the, the parent is, is, is giving healthy food. Yeah, so being particular in your tastes that's not good. It's not good. Oh, I don't like chocolate. I like vanilla. Okay, right now we're having chocolate. Oh, I can't eat chocolate. Not good. So one time, only one time, I came home from school as a teenager. And for some reason, I said to my mother, what's for supper? And my mother said, food. Sorry. I'm scared. What's for supper? Food. That okay with you? <laughs> and I never asked again. What's for supper? You're concerned? This is what you're worried about? We will have food, guaranteed. Good enough? It should be good enough. 
So we do a terrible disservice to children with them. Oh, we're going to have this food. Oh, it's going to be hard. But what are you doing? We're going to have food. Good food. Don't make every meal a celebration. For Shabbos, you have some special foods. But that's because Shabbos is special. Otherwise, food is food. You have what to eat, you're good. That's, that is a healthy mindset. Food is not an event. It's just a tool. <laughs> you know, if you're handy and you need a screwdriver and somebody hands you a screwdriver, you go to work. No. Oh, what is this screwdriver? Ah, the features of this screwdriver. Wow. Are you going to do your work or not? <laughs> Let's not make a celebration around a screwdriver. Get the job done. People who That's ooh and ah over their tools. <laughs> the celebration can be on what that tool can, how it enhances your work. Think, look at look at a different golf golf clubs. They make golf clubs different ways. Yeah. I mean, you could we could have that approach with a wooden golf club. But it's you're not going to be able to hit the ball as far as with the, the types they have now. It's not it's not celebrating maybe the tool itself, but what it's able to help you accomplish more efficiently. Yeah, and I'm not sure that that's really an improvement. It's like you know the old baseballs didn't have the same bounce, and the old bats didn't have the same. Yeah, so they knew how to play baseball. Now it's all in, in the equipment. <laughs> now you hit a home run. It's not you, it's the bat. But all of that in hand oh. enhances the, the, the performance. It, it enhances the results. I think the performance was better before. If you can I hit mean, look, at, look at basketball shoes. Yeah. They used to play in uh, one of those, those uh, converses. Goodness sakes. Now you look at the types of shoes and the, the ability of the players to move as quickly and not hurt their ankles. So then the, the tool isn't necessarily glorified, but it it brings out more of the, the performance. It's, the same can be looked at with the, the food. If you're really conscious about the results, then you're okay. Four-year-olds are not. Ten-year-olds are not. Teenagers are certainly not. <laughs> so don't celebrate the food. Don't we also want to uh, cultivate intimacy with our with our uh, with our food? <laughs> what? <laughs> Instead of performance. What 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 are you saying? I'm just, I'm just messing around. You want to have a good relationship with your food? Yeah, that's true. A good relationship with your food is, I'm the boss, you're just the food. <laughs> that's a good relationship. You know, like, set the rules straight. I'll decide when we eat, how much we eat, and so on. That's our relationship. Or, like... I'll make all the decisions, you make none. That's a good relationship with food. Another thing, <clears throat> just, just to, you know, for clarity of thought, when you eat properly, you're eating to, in response to hunger, to satisfy the hunger. <clears throat> we make a mistake, we get confused. Today, with all the commercials and with all the, we eat to satisfy our appetite, not our hunger. And that's a terrible mistake for two reasons. First of all, you can't really satisfy your appetite. 
So it doesn't work. Hunger can be satisfied because you eat a substantial food and you're not hungry anymore. Does that mean you've lost your appetite? No, you still have an appetite. More food will still taste good. You just don't need it anymore because you're not hungry. So if we were focused on the hunger, we would know when to stop. And then we're satisfied. Trying to satisfy an appetite, it's impossible. You can't satisfy an appetite. Secondly, an appetite should never be satisfied. You should always have appetite. That's a sign of life. If you can really eat so much until you've you've lost your appetite, you're not healthy anymore. It's like eat until you can't anymore. Not healthy. So we have to make this big, this important distinction. Yeah. You're not eating until you have no appetite left. You eat until you have no hunger left. Very different. If you eat a, 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 a mindful, responsible meal, and then would you like to have some dessert? And people say, oh, no, I couldn't. You've overeaten. What do you mean? There's no room for the dessert? You've eaten way too much. There's always room for dessert. <laughs> there should always be room. That's what dessert is. Okay, now I've satisfied my hunger. Now I'll entertain my appetite. That's dessert. But eat until you have no appetite. It means you've gorged yourself. Unhealthy. Sounds like meals at your home are uh, quite fun and filling. Well, there's plenty of food. The question is, when do you stop? <laughs> you, have, you have plenty of children, so. When, when do you have enough? No, but you know, oh, I couldn't eat another bite. Not good. So this is, this is all just thoughtful or reasonable. We haven't gotten into any of the philosophy yet. Mm -mm. Like why eat at all? It's interesting you brought that up. I once heard a, um, he's a well-known doctor. It might've been the doctor who, who started that company Viome, which does gut analysis and what food is, is good for an individual's gut microbiome. And he was doing something with going to space and they were looking and he was asking the question, why, why eat in the first place? You know, why do we need these big meals? Maybe we can just consume a bunch of powdered, uh, healthy powdered foods. I hope I'm sourcing that correctly. And what was his answer? Well, it was still under um, yeah. under process of being answered. I don't know the full, um, you know, if there's a scientific response to it. Completely off the subject. Yeah. You know anything about stem cell injections? A little bit, yeah. Have you tried? Have you? I, myself personally, no. But I've I just heard a little bit about it, and uh, I think there might be even someone who does it near my here in Houston. Um, but they I have an I just a basic understanding, and that they'll they'll take out healthier stem cells and then inject it in in other parts of the body. Um, it it makes a kind of a sense. <clears throat> there seems to be some truth to it. <clears throat> but I understand that it is now illegal. Really? In the States. I, d I don't know. I haven't heard about that. 
I have different resources I can ask about it. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's, I haven't heard about it being legal or not, but I did hear actually a story of when the Lubavitcher Rebbe, after one of his uh, strokes, asked one of the doctors if, if they had anything on stem cells. And it was like way before, it was like stem cells was just starting. Yeah, that, that was after the heart attack. Heart attacks. And the, and he told, the doctor told the Rebbe that he had a healthy scar. And the Rebbe said, why do, why a scar? He said, well, you know, that's what happens. It heals into a scar. And the Rebbe said, why, why, why leave it scarred? And he said, genetic engineering? Like, it was like shocking. This was in the 70s. Genetic engineering? And the Rebbe said, yeah, yeah. Wow. Go for it. Genetic engineering is going to be a, a very exciting thing. Regrow an arm. Now that's talking. Yeah. Now we're getting to the meat of health. That's good medicine. <laughs> well, Rabbi, we've, I think we've covered quite the basis of what we'll continue continue to uh, talk about regarding health, but it looks like we really addressed, you know, the right approach to health and having it be on the, the lighter side, not taking it too seriously, as well as covered a few uh, simple and, and specific steps somebody can take that to begin observing and reflecting on their own health and where, what they believe about their health, what, what they what for, answering the question, what for, and how to then approach and, and ask, you know, how can, I, how can I do this better? How can I become healthier? Uh, any, last, any last thoughts or practical act, actions yeah, you, we'll you recommend? So far, all we talked about is eating like a mensch. Has nothing to do with healthy, just dignity, you know? <laughs> Just don't, don't become an animal. Keep, keep, remain in control of your eating habits. That's all. We haven't even talked about health. We're talking about just a little human dignity. To eat like a human being. Sounds like the title of this one will be Eat Like a Mensch. Good. Very good. It's a pleasure. Always right. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.